It's Sunday morning. Time for Mile High Magazine. Murphy Houston here. So glad you are there having a great morning with us. Uh, We're interviewing and talking with Jeffrey D. Young, a DVM owner of Plan Pethood Plus, also the Denver North cross-country head coach and assistant track and field coach. Jeffrey, how do you have time for life with all that going on? (laughs) Well, uh, I'm no longer coaching at North, but I did for 29 years, and uh, we're getting ready. To, we're getting ready to move up to Connor for Colorado, so it'll be a little hard to coach up up there, for, you know. But yeah. uh, you know, I stay busy with what I do, and I believe in giving back to the community. That's the biggest thing. Well, it sounds like you're doing a lot of that too, as well. But I need to ask, what is planned pethood? And this is one of your expertises. What is that? Well, it's, we have Planned Parenthood Plus, which is my for-profit corporation, which I don't really use much anymore. We officially switched over about three years ago to Planned Parenthood International, which is 100% nonprofit. Um, and our, our biggest thing, you know, when I graduated in 1989 from Colorado State University, we were killing 24 to 26 million dog and cats a year in this country. Now, thank God, we're down to, you know, more like, depending on who you want to read, anywhere from 1 to 3 million, 2 to 4 million. But, you know, we've essentially not killing 20 million animals a year for no reason other than being born. So we made great strides, but, you know, uh, overpopulation is still uh, an issue, and that's what we we address. Um, I've lectured and done surgical demonstrations in 46 countries. So, you know, I kind of I go around the world uh, spreading the word about spay-neuter and how to help these things. But in the end, in America, it seems like economic euthanasia is the big thing. Only about 40% of Americans can afford current veterinary prices, so too many animals are put to sleep for no other reason than they can't afford to fix a broken leg or to take care of something like diabetes. Wow. Yeah, it's a tough time for that, for sure. But let me ask you, let's just back up a little bit here, uh, Jeffrey. Uh, Planned pethood, is that different? You're still a veterinarian, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you have a clinic. In fact, we're going to talk about that. you got a big opening coming up. So this is part of that clinic, this Planned pethood? Yes. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's the name of our clinic, and we're in Wheat Ridge right now. We say we're moving our whole facility up to Conifer uh, with the idea of really making it more. I mean, I've been doing this for, you know, 30-some years. Uh, I really want to teach more students. We're working with students from six different universities right now. I'd like to get up to 26 different universities, but, you know, give them hands-on experience with spay-neuter, basic surgical techniques, and teach them some other tricks that I've learned along the ways. Well, a guy with that kind of experience, you probably have a lot of information to share, don't you? I like to think so. I've done over 200,000 surgeries, probably more than most people walk on the planet. But, oh, you know, yeah, I would think so. Holy cow. That's a lot. So tell me, and I, I'm a pet lover. I have had many dogs. i got a dog right now. Uh, why, why is spay and neutering so important? We, don't, we, we hear about it, but why is it so important? Well, I mean, a variety of reasons. First, I think it's a social responsibility thing, especially with, you know, with cats uh, that get outside because they're so prolific in breeding and we have a real cat population. Uh, with dogs, you know, uh, it's important in that, you know, once again, we, we have surplus animals, you know, and, there's, and some states are better than others. I mean, Colorado, we're, we're blessed here and we've done a really good job with overpopulation. Some of the r- uh, rural environments are still a little bit tough, but uh Overall, we've we've made some great strides, and and one of the biggest things besides the population, which is becomes a waste of animals being euthanized for no reason other than being born, uh, is is you know they live longer. That's yeah. the bottom line. Every longevity study ever done on dogs and cats, you know, cats live three to five years longer on average. Dogs one to three years longer on average. So you end up with a healthier animal with fewer behavioral problems, and I think that's real important. 
Well, everybody in our neighborhood has a dog. <laughs> so it seems they're always out walking them and taking uh, really good care of them. And that's such a big part of the process you're talking about, though, right? This whole planned yeah. pethood, it's a big part of it. Yeah, I mean, that, it's basic health care is, you know, what we're all about, you know, and then we, we I really consider spay neuter as part of basic health care, like vaccines, you know, for, for the average person with dogs. Now, you know, once again, if you have a, uh, a purebred high in, uh, just because it's AKC registered doesn't mean it, it's a breedable animal. OK, so that, that's one thing to keep in mind. Right, um, right. You are, you know, too many backyard breeders get into breeding, and as soon as they have a dystocia problems, you know, uh, animal has problems giving birth uh, or some other issue, you know, they don't have the money to deal with it. You know, professional breeders are professional breeders, and you should leave that. Being a backyard breeder, there's not a lot of money in that. Any, any good breeder will tell you there's not a lot of money in breeding animals, you know, if you're doing right, it right. Right, right. Well, being in that business, though, you really got to have some knowledge. I mean, you just can't all say, well, I think I'll become a breeder. There's a lot more to it than that, Right. Yeah, and that's what happens so many times. And then we have so many of these bully breeds that are being miniaturized and stuff, and, you know, flat-faced dogs, uh, the brachiocephalics. I mean, we're just breeding horrible animals that just have, you know, horrible uh, lives. I mean, they're just, you know, they're miserable their whole lives. They have all these genetic issues, and we're just seeing so many of these out. And that and that's from people getting ideas, oh, let's just cross these two and see what happens, you know. Um, it's real irresponsible, and in the end, it's not in the animal's interest at all. No, I wouldn't think so. But you do see a lot of that because you, you get these golden doodles and all these fancy names. And how does that all happen? I mean, how does that resolve? Yeah, I don't. Education. I think, you know, the biggest thing I've came to the conclusion of early in my career is that more than anything else, doctors, human and animals, should be doing a lot more education. I've always uh, done lectures in schools and stuff and lectures to other veterinarians and in groups and humane societies. And I just think, you know, it's about educating people. You know, I really believe. I basically believe people are good at nature, and they try to do the right thing most of the time. Most of us do anyway. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, yeah, you know, and if you give them the right information, they'll make the right decision. They just got to get the right information. Yeah, exactly. But you bring up a really good key point here. In fact, you mentioned it earlier that people are euthanizing their pets a lot more, maybe because they can't afford the veterinary care. Explain that a little bit. Well, it's you know, in one sense, it's proud to be in a profession that basically you know, um, has taken human medicine, moved it over to the animal side. And we can do things with animals in terms of pacemakers and, you know, kidney transplants and just amazing what things we can do. But that comes at a price. And one of the problems with veterinary medicine, as I see it, is too many state boards want to dictate, um, you know, the level of practice from the top and not the bottom, you know, uh, in that it's it's like now you pretty much have to have a CT or an MRI to get a, a back surgery down on your dog. Which you know, uh, right. in the old days to do a dye study, but that's not no longer it's no longer in vogue because it's not state of the art. Well, it still works, you know. And if you can't afford one, well, then you don't do the other um, because some, you know, someone may not like it. But then you don't do anything for the animal. So I don't know. It, it's a real catch twenty two. I don't see how as a profession we can say, look. This bone surgery is going to cost you eight or ten or twelve thousand dollars. This explorer is going to take cost you eight thousand dollars, but if you can't afford it for five hundred dollars, we'll kill your animal. Yeah, you know, like we have. It's a real. I don't know. We're, we're schizophrenic about some of these things, and uh, you you keep raising the standard, the bar, which is great for the few people that can afford it, but for the other other people, and there's just a lot of ways to get to the same spot with cutting a few corners that saves money. 
but it doesn't affect the outcome. And that's my big thing. If it doesn't affect the outcome of the surgery in the end or the, you know, the process of the medicine, then it shouldn't matter how you get there. Well, I, a good point there for sure. The cost, it's like regular medical care, right? Right, Jeffrey? Yeah, yeah. The, the cost is getting, you know, it's getting crazier and crazier. And, you know, I supply line issues and I get up. But the technology that's coming is amazing. I mean, they have machines now that you're going to be able to put a needle into a mass, stain it, put it into a machine. And that machine is going to send, send the pictures of that around the world. So any pathologist that wants to pick it up can say, okay, I'm going to read this. It costs you 40 bucks or whatever. And they read it and send it back. And it's AI driven. So you think about it. Five years from now, 10 years from now, you won't need the pathologist. These guys have these advanced degrees, but the truth is the AI right. is going to drive it, and it's going to learn every time you know, someone responds back. You know, So yeah. things are getting um, amazingly quick and fast. I mean, the things you can get done are just, you know, they say with technology, uh, it's going to change medicine all the way around. Do you recommend uh, folks that have pets, dogs, whatever pet might be, getting uh, insurance, like health insurance for yourself? You can get insurance for your pets. Is that advisable? Yeah, I think there's certain pet insurance that are better than others. I think in the end, the problem we have with what I have is that a lot of them, um, because we, we genetically tested animals, so anything that's a pre-existing condition, say like you have a, a German Shepherd or a Labrador with bad hips, well, I guess what? That's a genetic pre, you know, genetic condition. Sure, sure. Uh, so it may not be covered. So read your fine print. A lot of times, it's insurance I find has been really good if your dog, say, slips out the gate. The grandkids come over. The, your dog gets out, gets hit by a car. Man, the insurance pays for that, no problem. But yeah. when it comes to issues like, oh, you know, I have these uh, mast cell tumors and it happens to be a boxer. Well, we know that goes with boxers, you know, so we're not going to cover that, you know. So oh. um, read the fine print. Well, I do a lot of work for the uh, the Dumb Friends League here, and they say a lot of people, because the topic we're talking about here, instead of euthanizing because they can't afford the care, they give them to the Dumb Friends League or some kind of a shelter. Is that advisable? Do you think that's a good idea? Well, that and that's the same. We adopt, you know, around three to five hundred animals a year through our clinic, and the vast majority of those animals have been, you know, left here, uh, like parvo dogs that people don't come back for, or something that's hit by a car and they just don't want to deal with. You know, it may take a three to six month healing period. Um, those kind of things. A lot of people would just rather sign them over to us. I we will not at Plant Pet International. We won't euthanize healthy animals that are even if they're hurt, as long as we know we can get them back to a good quality of life. You know, sure. that's. Uh, the only, the only things we will euthanize for is really overt aggression um, that can be dangerous, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of financial reasons for that, you know, legal reasons for that. But then, you know, if you're not going to have quality of life, that's a whole another another issue. But if you can have quality of life after a two or three month healing period, then we're going to do that, and we're going to get them adopted. So I think there's a lot of that that goes on. And you know, the, the sad part about that is maybe the animal's been with those people for three or four or five or six years, sometimes ten years. You know, sure, sure. And, up, but then they can just go get another animal because you know if you, if you want a cat, you just open your door and say kitty, 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 and look around. You know? <laughs> <laughs> For dogs, you got to work a little bit harder, but not that much harder. No, that's true. So listen, on May seventh, I know you got the grand opening of your new location in Conifer. Talk about it. What's that clinic going to be like? Well, it's twelve thousand square feet. Six thousand will be you know the, uh, the downstairs, and that's basically the operating uh, area. Um, we're going to have a training. It's a training center for young vets. We've had quite a few vets come through here, and, and hopefully we're going to have more. We have uh, more be coming up there. Um, we have two dorm rooms that are going to be set up upstairs uh, for them to stay. So we basically house them and train them for free so they get a lot of experience, a lot of hands-on experience. 
Uh, we're, we've kind of taken over the Intermountain Humane Society. Uh, so Intermountain Humane will be working under Plant Pit International, our 501c3. So we have access to animals for spay neuter. Uh, we, we're reaching out from Intermountain Humane to different uh, Native American reservations uh, to help with their spay neuter process and for us to get animals for adoption. So it kind of all goes hand in hand, and I'm really excited about getting up there and, and uh, you know, getting the training center going. Well, you mentioned that that whole thing with the uh, Plan Pethood Plus is a nonprofit. How do you get funding for that? Well, Plan Pet International is the nonprofit. And, and we, well, my goal has always been the same. We have to try to break even in terms of paying our salaries and paying the mortgage. You know, the extra work we do, because we go out into small rural communities and stuff and do spay-neuter work. We'll go down to different reservations and stuff um, and do basically free work. Uh, to really low cost, cost work. And those people who donate to us, that's kind of what our, our special programs, uh-huh. you know, they go to our special programs. I do send suture to, to a lot of third world countries and things. And, uh, and, and in the end, you know, I, I feel like if as a nonprofit to be responsible to the people who give us money um, that, you know, we have to do the right, right sure. thing. By, sure, sure. And that, and that means trying to help the, the maximum number of animals as possible with the maximum number of people. I mean, animals are connected to people. Sure I'm a are. people, animal person, but in the end, you're helping an animal, but you're also helping a person. Absolutely. Good point there for sure. How do we find out more about you? Do you have a website or someplace where people can seek information? Yeah, I wonder plantpitternational.org. Um, and I'm, I'm on Facebook under under Jeffrey Young. I, I have a YouTube channel uh, under um, Dr. Jeff PPI, uh, Dr. Jeff at PPI. Um, you know, so we're, we're out there. You can Google Plant Pit International. It will come up or Plant Pitted Plus. It'll come up. It kind of cross links. Uh, sure. We'll be posting things at Intermountain Humane uh, on their uh, Facebook page in the very near future. Kinda, we're just kind of now, it's been tough kind of taking two different co- companies and putting them together. I'll bet. Uh, and, Yeah, that's a nice little humane society. They got a beautiful facility there, but we really want to update it, upgrade it, and update it both um, and put some indoor outdoor runs in, just make it better for the animals and uh, make it a better experience for people coming through and doing the adoption. So, um, you know, so we have some long term plans there too. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job, Jeffrey, and you're helping people as well as the pets. Good job on that. Good job. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming on Mile High Magazine, and we'll be in touch again, too, because I'm a, a pet lover. I've had many, many dogs, and I love a dog. We have a little guy now named Bear, and he, he runs the house. You know how that is, right, Jeffrey? <laughs> they run the place. Yes. But, uh, my cat runs my my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not the only one then, for sure. And again, thanks <laughs> for coming on Mile High Magazine. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Really you, appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. And you guys, hang on now. It's Mile High Magazine. I'm Murphy Houston. I'll be back with more. 